the evolution of esports. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Dennis Thresh Fong, entrepreneur and gamer. Welcome, Dennis. Thanks for having me. I should say welcome back. Um, you're considered by many to have the first true professional gamer experience. You've, you've been on the show before, um, but for those people who may not realize, you started in gaming when? Uh, well, I started playing games probably in the early 90s. Um, I, I became a professional gamer probably around 1995. Um, so kind of in that time frame, And then I won um, the, the Ferrari in 1997. Which was a big part. I mean, you mentioned, I think the last time we talked to you that you had that in the lobby. It sounded like the coolest Ferrari ever. Uh, so what do you drive today? I have to know. Uh, I drive a, a Porsche 911. <laughs> Very <laughs> modest of you. Um, so, so tell us about the evolution of esports. Esports is getting a lot of attention. People are realizing that it is a legitimate sport. It's a, legit, a legitimate um, something that they should pay attention to for for careers, if, if nothing else, what are the milestones marking the conversion of gaming into big business? Gaming as a whole or esports specifically? I would say esports specifically. Okay. Um, I mean, I think the rise of esports was really the convergence um, of several things. I think number one, the accessibility of the game and quality of the games. Um, I think was a big deal. We talked about it last time, which was, you know, you have really high quality games that are free. Um, you know, obviously having to drop 50 or 60 bucks was a big hurdle for a lot of people. Um, you have games like League of Legends that are entirely free to play or Apex Legends. Um, now that's pretty popular. Um, the hardware, um, you know, you, you didn't need a super high-end $5,000 PC to, to play these games. Um, you could just boot up on almost any laptop um, and, and be able to play a lot of these games, which is a big deal. Um, I think uh, the content creation platforms like Twitch um, and of course YouTube, um, because you know, it gave uh, you know, a lot of these gamers, uh, the players, uh, a voice um, and uh, the ability to make money um, you know, outside of just sponsorships and tournaments. Um, and I think that's a really big deal, you know, because uh, you know, if you're, if you're just living off of prize money as an example, which is actually the vast majority of esports players, um, for a long time, uh, you know, you can go months, sometimes a year without making money, but you still have to pay for travel. You have to do, you know, you have to do all this, you still have to train, you still have to do all that stuff. Um, so you could have years where maybe you're losing money, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, so um, I think, you know, I think the rise of uh, these streaming platforms gives people an opportunity to, to make money outside of uh, competing. Um, and it also made them a lot more accessible. You know, I think uh, yeah, people, I think sponsorships in general of players are, and teams are more interesting when you know who they are. And, um, you know, I think these platforms gave people a face also that audiences and fans could um, be drawn to. Uh, otherwise, people only knew me as Thresh. Uh, maybe they've seen a picture of me, but, you know, that's it. Everything else is just, you know, hearsay about my personality and, and so forth. So, um, and then, of course, the game companies themselves, um, you know, I would say League of Legends um, played a huge role um, in, in esports because, you know, they were the first ones that were de dedicating tens of millions of dollars to the success of their game in esports or as an esport. Um, and you know, they professionalize a lot of, uh, the content creation, uh, and production around it. So I think, 
I think uh, it's a convergence of all of those things that kind of made it as big as it is today. You mentioned League of Legends. Um, who are the innovators in esports, both from the technology and the promotional event management sides? Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've always, um, you know, I think whenever anyone asks me, I always think, uh, I always respond by saying Riot Games, uh, who make League of Legends, are probably the most responsible for the success of esports because, as I just said, they, they really professionalized how the competitions were held. They were the first ones to offer salaries to all the players. So, you know, they, they get, at least gave a minimum salary for everybody to, to live off of. Um, you know, the production value of uh, their events was uh, extraordinary. I mean, if you've never been to a League of Legends World Finals, you should, because it's um, by far the highest production value of any eSport event in the world. Um, it has been for many, many years. Um, and also the production value of the, 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 the streaming and, and, and um, you know, the, the season itself. Um, I think having seasons even, um, you know, which League of Legends was one of the first ones to have made a big difference because previously it was just a bunch of tournaments. So, you know, maybe you have a tournament one month or maybe two tournaments one month and then one tournament, you know, three months later, there was no narrative. And I think, you know, this, the success of esports, um, particularly around League of Legends, was really around having a, a narrative over the court, like an arc, you know, a story arc to the season, you know. Uh, just like any professional sport, maybe the, you know, the guys that started off slow ended up picking up steam and you get to know the players and the struggles that they had early on. And then they, if they end up winning the finals at the end, you know, it, it's just, it, there's an emotional arc to the season that previously it was, you know, like back when I was competing, it was mostly just around tournaments. So I would win a tournament. There's no upcoming tournament for a few months. So like kind of the, the buzz around the game and, and esports in general dies down until the next one happens. Whereas um, what League of Legends did was, you know, there's a preseason, there's a whole arc to the season, there's a schedule, there's a world finals, there's a playoffs. Um, it just changed the total, you know, the whole kind of uh, tone of, of uh, what esports was about. How does mobile computing uh, factor into the competitive game scene? Uh, you mean just mobile games in general? Um, I think uh, I think before before PUBG and and Fortnite were became successful on mobile, I would have said that I, I thought it was still a few years away. Uh, namely because, I mean, there's some great games on mobile, you know, a lot of the um, Supercell games like Clash of Clans, Clash Royale. I mean, I, I was huge players, am huge players of uh, of those games. Um, but they're just not like super compelling to watch. Um, but uh, I think, uh, you know, PUBG on mobile, Fortnite on mobile, um, there's other games as well that are, uh, especially in Asia, that have proven that you could actually have really competitive fun um, you know, spectator-worthy games on mobile. Um, so I think, I think my view of it has changed over the last probably couple of years. Um, I think there's definitely an opportunity there. Um, you know, but I, you're not going to see cross-platform play, obviously. So you're not going to have a mobile player on Fortnite playing against a PC player on Fortnite. You know, they, they would just get crushed. Um, but I think there's, um, you know, it's it's a matter of time before mobile esports is 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 huge. You know, I think you're already seeing some games that are uh, starting to build up um, a good um, audience around them. 
you mentioned, you know, the accessibility. Um, esports locations seem to be popping up everywhere. Um, you can go to your local retail store and they're there. And, and certainly from the standpoint of mobile, mobile is making, um, you know, gaming more accessible to people who don't have, you know, the equipment to play uh, the tra traditionally. How is the esports market growing exactly? I mean, who are the, who are the players? Who, who, what about the competitions? You mentioned how sophisticated they are. Um, talk about that. So I, I think the growth that you're going to, or that I think um, people are seeing in esports really is more about the audience than it is about uh, the actual competitions themselves. Obviously, those, I mean, competitions have been happening around games since forever. I mean, obviously, 20 plus years, right? Um, and, you know, obviously the competitions themselves, the venues, the, the events are all getting, um, you know, there's more money in it. So, you know, they look a lot better um, and more professional. Um, but, you know, the real opportunity in esports is really around the audience because, uh, number one, um, you know, I think what we've seen looking at the numbers is that, you know, there's some people that watch more than they play. Right. And so, you know, there's, um, you know, there's hundreds of millions of esports fans out there that will watch competitions, even though if they're not actively, um, you know, players anymore of that particular game. Um, but uh, and, and the real gap is that uh, the revenue per fan or the revenue per, per viewer in esports is incredibly low as compared to other professional sports. So I can't, I don't, I can't remember what the latest numbers are, but I think it was like right now in esports is maybe $3 revenue per fan. When you compare it to something like the NFL, I think it's close to 200, north of $200 per fan. And so the excitement around esports is really that gap that, uh, you know, a lot of the big brands haven't gotten into it yet. Um, or, you know, the, the amount of money that people are spending around it is it's still um, compared to the audience size. Um, there's just a tremendous gap there when you compare it to any other professional sport. And so, you know, when you look at investors or investments that are happening in esports, it's really based on that thesis that um, there's esports is going to be way bigger in terms of revenue than it is today, simply because the audience is there and the audience itself is growing. You know, there's more and more people into games in general and into gaming than there ever have been before. And it's growing by leaps and bounds every year. Um, you know, that, that's really the, the business opportunity around it. So what should sponsors and brands who want to market to the esports community know then about their target? Um, well, I mean, the one thing that I think makes esports, the esports and gaming audience unique is um, that it values authenticity almost above all else. Um, you know, the community is um, pretty fickle when it comes to that stuff. Um, they don't like um, being, um, you know, advertised to, uh, especially in a way that is not, you know, if you, you can't package something as like being authentic when you're actually, it's a sponsor, um, it's a sponsorship. And, you know, I think a lot of brands when they first get into the space think that it's okay. And that they'll, <laughs> you know, they'll find out pretty quickly that there's a ton of backlash around it because I think, um, you know, streaming, uh, you know, things like Twitch and, and, and Facebook and YouTube and stuff have just made, um, you know, it gives you direct access to your favorite players and your favorite streamers and entertainers. Um, and, you know, that's what they value is that authenticity uh, or certainly authenticity to 
your character. So like Dr. Disrespect, who is a, obviously a very famous streamer, um, he has a certain character that he plays on stream, um, which, who's, you know, he's over the top, but, you know, he has to be authentic to that character as well. Um, so it's not, it's not about just blanketing, you know, you know, the space with a bunch of advertising. You have to really think about the message that's going to resonate, that's authentic to your brand and authentic to, uh, you know, the, 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 the brands or the, or the, the personalities that you're working with. Um, and I think that's super critical to be successful in this space. All right, Dennis, how do you, how do you see esports growing or changing in the near future? Um, you know, to be honest, I don't, I don't know if esports needs any fundamental changes. I mean, I think a lot of people, um, will incorrectly assume that esports needs television to be successful. Um, you know, I mean, part of, you know, I, I think a lot of brands, certainly, you know, consumer brands kind of view television as being what gives you credibility. Um, and you know, but in, in esports in particular and in the gaming, you know, the gaming community doesn't really feel that way. Um, because what's cool about esports and gaming and the, the format that it's being presented is that you can also, there's like a live interaction engagement component to what you're watching on screen, you know, whether it's the chat or, or what have you. Um, and, you know, I think watching on a television, you miss that. Um, you know, so, and I think a lot of people who watch, Thing, uh, competitions and stuff on Twitch or, or wherever, stream it to their televisions, you know, but they may still have their keyboards and stuff that, they, you know, where they're interacting with those, um, you know, those things. So I think the big misconception is that gaming needs television to be successful. It, it definitely does not. I, I don't, I don't believe it does, but I don't, you know, certainly it doesn't hurt. Um, it does, you know, as I said, um, there is that revenue gap in gaming or esports that still exists, and it's the biggest. Some of the biggest consumer brands either haven't put their foot in the water yet, or or are doing it in a really small way as compared to their overall marketing budget. Um, so there's still there's still room to grow there. And something else that I've heard you talk about is the impact on uh, gaming as a career opportunity for. I don't know, high school students, maybe getting into college. Colleges are actually uh, offering um, scholarships to gamers. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, when you look at most sports, professional sports, um, or sports that um, are not quote-unquote professional but are in the Olympics or, or what have you, um, there's always kind of like, I mean, you can think about it as like a feeder system, right? You, used to, you look at football, there's like Pop Warner football or Pee Wee football, and then to Pop Warner, and then you get into – you know, whatever, junior high school teams and you have coaches and, you know, like there's a system that feeds into kind of progressively into the professional, quote unquote, professional league eventually, if you make it that far. Um, and along the way, there's a lot of infrastructure. So not just infrastructure in coaching and stuff that um, teaches you how to act and behave and to teaches you how to learn and, and be coached. Um, but also, um, you know, I guess I think of it as, uh, opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise get. So you may get into Harvard because you, you made their soccer team as an example, right? Like, um, you know, those opportunities don't exist um, completely in gaming today. I mean, there are some schools that op offer scholarships, um, 
you know, it'd be awesome if every school had it because, you know, gaming and esports um, is as competitive as any other sport that I could think of that um, would have uh, the opportunity to earn scholarships in a lot of these places. Uh, but it's not just opportunity to, to eventually get into a professional league, but it's also, um, I think of it as a fallback, right? Like if you get into the Harvard esports team, you know, you're getting a Harvard education. And if, you know, like the esports thing doesn't work out, you still end up with a Harvard education. Like that opportunity doesn't really exist that much in gaming today. And it would be great if it did. Um, also, like you have a lot of these pro players that were literally plucked out of their mom's, you know, like mom's house. Like, you know, these kids, you know, they're playing, they get good at a game. Um, all of a sudden, a team who's heard of them or seen them uh, play recruits them, brings them onto a team, and they've had no training on how to, you know, behave really as a professional, as a teammate. You know, they have never been coached before because they're just self-taught. Um, so, you know, you get these people that are not ready. You know, they're not mentally or emotionally ready to, to compete at the highest levels. And then all of a sudden they have to stream as well. It's like you're now live to thousands of people or, or, or more. Um, you know, I, I think just being thrust into the spotlight like that is, is really, really tough on, on um, some of these kids, uh, you know, whereas if you had a junior high team, a high school team that you played on and then a college team and you had teammates and you had a coach and all that other stuff, um, I think it makes that transition into being a professional uh, a lot easier. For those people who would like to learn more, maybe they want their, their, their child to get some coaching and, and be, have a little better understanding of the industry. What are, what are things that they should look for? What are maybe some players they should watch or maybe companies or competitions they should look for? I mean, I think looking on Twitch um, or other similar platforms like YouTube um, for streamers that behave, you know, they, they act in a, in a normal, uh, you know, like a, a, a good, they have good attitudes, uh, good approach to the game. Um, you know, they, they talk through how they think about the game. You know, you know, I think it's important when you, as a competitor, to take a very objective look at your, you know, your play. And there are certain streamers and players that do that, and they do that on stream. So they kind of help you think through your game in a, in a very logical way. I think that's pretty good. Um, you know, I think there's some advances too. You know, there's, um, you know, there's a, a company called Play, Plays, Play Versus um, that is basically building a high school varsity um, esports um, organization. So they work directly with the high schools and, you know, the, the, the players on those high school teams actually are varsity players. They get their varsity jackets and, and so forth. Um, so you're, we're saying, as we just talked about, there are certain colleges that are offering scholarships now. So, um, you know, I think the infrastructure is getting there, um, but it's, we're still in the early, early days. Dinesh Thresh Fong entrepreneur and gamer, shedding some light on the esports industry and the gaming and future of gaming. If somebody wants to connect with you, maybe they want to find out more about uh, esports. How can they do that? Uh, they can just find me on Twitter. I'm just at Thresh. Sounds good. And if you guys want to find more of my interviews, you can do that right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.